Welcome to God's Playbook with your host, Father Rico Passero. It's a 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Touchdown! Let's play ball. Friends, welcome back to God's Playbook. Today we're going to talk about Eucharistic Prayer 4, which is the last of the four main Eucharistic prayers that are often used at Mass. Eucharistic Prayer 4 begins similar to the others in the regards to posture. So the priest is standing behind the altar with hands in the oran's position, palms up to God. The people of God are kneeling down in reverent prayer. The Eucharistic prayer begins as such. We give you praise, Father most holy, for you are great and you have fashioned all your works in wisdom and in love. Once again, notice that all four Eucharistic prayers begin with praising God and recognizing how much greater he is than us. What's great about Eucharistic prayer is you have fashioned all your works in wisdom and in love. It shows that God had a purpose for everything, that he had thought things out, that he has not just randomized creation. Creation is not just some big bang that things happen to fall into place. They are all part of his divine plan. You formed humanity in your own image and entrusted the whole world to our care so that in serving you alone, the Creator, we might have dominion over all creatures. This ties beautifully again to the book of Genesis, in which God says to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, that all creatures are under human reign. Now, this doesn't mean that we should intentionally run over worms and hit animals and abuse animals and cut down trees and just do whatever we want with creation. What it does suggest is that creation is first and foremost used to glorify God, and secondly, it is to help to enhance our lives as God's children. When through disobedience we had lost your friendship, you did not abandon us to the domain of death. So again, recognizing that from the garden all the way down, sadly, we have chosen sin, the times in which we choose sin over God's love, we recognize it is through our disobedience that we lost God's friendship. So it's our fault, our blame. But you did not abandon us to the domain of death. So it recognizes the faithfulness of our God. For you came in mercy to the aid of all so that those who seek might find you. God made that first move. We have not moved. God moved towards us. Time and again you offered us covenants, and through the prophets you taught us to look forward to salvation. This shows the constant plan of salvation that God had for the world. That as he sent prophets, think of your favorite prophet, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Amos, whoever your favorite prophet is in the New Testament and the Old Testament specifically, we are reminded that All of these people have come to help us to come to understand God's plan of salvation. And you so love the world, Father Most Holy, that in the fullness of time, you sent your only begotten Son to be our Savior. Again, God made the first movement. He moves first since the fullness of time, the beginning of time. He willed that Jesus would come to be our Savior. Made incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he shared our human nature and all things but sin. So this is our understanding of Jesus. 
fully God, fully human, in all things but sin, made incarnate by the Holy Spirit, that he was not created like every other human being with a sperm and an egg, but he was born of the Virgin Mary, and he shared our human nature. Then it speaks about who Jesus is. To the poor he proclaimed the good news of salvation, to prisoners freedom, and to the sorrowful of heart joy. So this idea of the poor he proclaimed salvation. The Messiah who is to come is to bring salvation to all people, to prisoners freedom, and to the sorrowful of heart joy. You see that contrast that the Eucharistic prayer says. Places where we'd rather not be, that God lifts us out of them. Nobody wants to be sorrowful, but we do want to be filled with joy. To accomplish your plan, he gave himself up to death, and rising from the dead, he destroyed death and restored life. So again, to accomplish your plan, this plan of salvation that has always been in the works, he gave himself up to death, freely giving himself up to the Father's will. And then rising from the dead, he destroyed death and restored life. So again, we see the reference here to resurrection and the Paschal mystery, the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus for the salvation of the world. And that we might live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again for us. Again, so that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again for us. This unity, this connection to Christ. He sent the Holy Spirit from you, Father, as the first fruits for those who believe. So recall in sacred scripture, Jesus says, I will send you the advocate to be with you. So that bringing to perfection his work in the world, he might sanctify creation to the full. So this sanctifying of creation is given to us by God. So this beautiful introduction to the Eucharistic prayer, the beginning of this fourth Eucharistic prayer, helps us to really come to know the greatness of God, his movement in our life, the purpose and plan of salvation, and that we rely on God, this dependency on God, each and every moment of our lives. Now the priest's hands and posture change. So from the orans, the open position with palms facing heavenward, now the priest places his hands with the palms facing the gifts. Therefore, O Lord, we pray, may the same Holy Spirit graciously sanctify these offerings, that they may become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So like in the other three Eucharistic prayers, the priest's right hand makes the sign of the cross over the gifts of bread and wine as he says these words. For the celebration of this great mystery, which he himself left us as an eternal covenant. Notice again biblical language. Biblical language is used here in Eucharistic prayer for where it's tying everything back into the Old Testament. This idea of covenant between God and his people. A promise, a covenant that never is broken. God enters into this eternal covenant with us. The priest then says, For when the hour had come for him to be glorified by you, Father most holy, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And while they were at supper, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, So again, recognizing the day that he would bring salvation to the world, to be glorified by God, 
He loved us. He loved the apostles. And so Jesus actively participates in his own execution. He was not surprised. They didn't throw a curveball at him. Jesus knew that it was coming, the nature of how his death would be, and he was an active and willing participant. Then, as in the other three Eucharistic prayers, this is my body, which will be given up for you. It's the same words Jesus uses, right? Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. We hear this in all four Eucharistic prayers, the exact same phrase. Very important to know that this is said by the priest and only the priest. So as in the other three Eucharistic prayers, the priest then lifts the consecrated host, which is Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity for the people to adore. So you either look up to Jesus and you can say aloud or in your heart, my Lord and my God, the words of St. Thomas, or you can bow your head in quiet prayer as well as you humbly place yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus, who loves you more than life itself. The priest then genuflects, and I invite you to bow your head at that point as you continue to reverence Jesus silently. Then, over the chalice, the priest says, in a similar way, taking the chalice filled with the fruit of the vine, he gave thanks and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, so similar to the other Eucharistic prayers, thanking God, saying the blessing, and then distributing it to the disciples. Same words as before. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in memory of me. The priest then raises the chalice, to which again you can say, My Lord and my God, or my Jesus' mercy. Venerate Jesus, present not as wine, but as the precious blood of the Lord, in the chalice that has been raised at that mass in that very moment. And then as the priest genuflects, I encourage you to bow your head in reverent adoration of the Lord who loves you so much. Like in the other three Eucharistic prayers, the priest then says, the mystery of faith. And we have again the same one of the three responses. Number one, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Or, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Or finally, save us, Savior of the world, for by your cross and resurrection, you have set us free. So whichever of the three your community uses, you would pray from your heart. And then Eucharistic prayer continues with such language. The priest says with arms extended and palms once again facing heavenward. Therefore, O Lord, as we now celebrate the memorial of our redemption, we remember Christ's death and his descent to the realm of the dead. We proclaim his resurrection and his ascension to your right hand. So you see again, this is our profession of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. We look forward as the prayer continues. As we await his coming in glory, we offer you his body and blood, the sacrifice acceptable to you, which brings salvation to the whole world. We continue to see the biblical theme of salvation and salvation history. It is God who brings salvation to us. 
Look, O Lord, upon the sacrifice, the prayer continues, which you yourself have provided for your church, and grant in your loving kindness to all who partake of this one bread and one chalice, that gathered into one body by the Holy Spirit, they may truly become a living sacrifice in Christ to the praise of your glory. So here, this sacrifice, which God has provided for the church, we are dependent on him. Grant that all who participate, those present and those we lift in prayer, gathered into one body by the Holy Spirit, may truly become a living sacrifice in Christ to the praise of God's glory. This unifying sacrifice which brings salvation to the world. Then the priest goes on to say, Therefore, Lord, remember now all for whom we offer this sacrifice, especially your servant, blank, our Pope. So, of course, currently Pope Francis, blank, our bishop. So, your bishop's first name is entered there. The order of bishops, all the clergy, those who take part in this offering, those gathered here before you, your entire people, and all who seek you with a sincere heart. So, again, the unifying message of the Mass. It is not to be just prayed for me or for you. It's for us and for us as a collective in the global church. So beautiful that it mentions those here present, your entire people, and those who do not yet know God but are seeking him with a sincere heart. So those who have yet to experience a conversion experience. How beautiful that is that they are lifted in prayer too. Then again, the language says the word remember. Remember is not because God has forgotten. It means bless in a biblical way. Remember also those who have died in the peace of your Christ and all the dead whose faith you alone have known. Once again, at every single Mass, those who are deceased are to be offered in prayer. And I love the last point, which says, and whose faith you alone have known. Sometimes we think we know where somebody's faith practices. Oh, they're not faithful. They never go to church. Oh, they're very faithful. They go to church and yet can be very far from God. So this allows God to read the human heart because only he knows our heart. We think we know each other's hearts, but that's not the case. Only God knows the human heart, okay? Then the priest goes on to say, To all of us, your children, grant, O merciful Father, that we may enter into a heavenly inheritance with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, and with your apostles and saints in your kingdom. So again, unifying us as the children of God, asking that God would allow us through his mercy a chance to pass from life to the life that has no end. So first and foremost, we call upon the communion of saints Once again, beginning with the Blessed Virgin Mary, with St. Joseph, her husband, and then the apostles and saints in your kingdom. And again, the patron saint of the parish or the diocese or the feast day can be entered there. Then he concludes, There with the whole of creation, freed from the corruption of sin and death, may we glorify you through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. So again, unifying with all of creation that brings glory to God, freed from the corruption of sin and death. We recognize God's power over sin, death, evil, anything negative. May we glorify you through Christ our Lord. 
We want to praise God forever and that he bestows on the world all that is good. Nothing good comes to us besides from the hands of God. And then once again, as in the other three Eucharistic prayers, the priest then lifts Jesus in the consecrated host and the consecrated blood of Christ in the chalice and says the words, through him and with him and in him. O God, almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. So these words are said by the priest, and the people's response is, Amen. As we once again praise God, and that Amen is that all the words of the Eucharistic prayer that has been said by the priest is something that I believe in and truly um, come from my heart in a very genuine and powerful way. So friends, this concludes Eucharistic Prayer 4. So now we have studied the four main Eucharistic prayers that are used at Mass. There are other Eucharistic prayers that I will get into a little bit further in our series. Uh, But for now, tomorrow is Labor Day. So we're going to talk about Labor Day. But beginning on Tuesday, we're going to continue on with the next part of the Mass. And then later on, I'll go back and speak to the special Eucharistic prayers that a priest can use depending on the time of the church calendar or the needs of the people and the Mass that is offered. So let us continue to thank God for the beautiful language used in the Eucharistic prayer, this prayer that transforms bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus and helps to remind us, especially in this fourth Eucharistic prayer, of God's plan of salvation for you as an individual, for us as a collective, and for the world as a whole. For God's Playbook friends, I'm Father Rico. God loves you and so do I. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting us using any of our affiliate links in the description below via Budsprout, Ko-Fi, or GoFundMe. Thanks, and God bless.